Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, Generation Z. This is Riel reporting, doing our Unleashing the Kraken segment. Today's date is September 21st, 2022. We actually have quite a bit to report on, and today is going to be a catch-up on the mainstream news articles. Uh, there are some things that I've just kind of avoided to talk about so much and focus more on the obscure stranger things as we did in our last recording. But today is actually going to be covering some of the main players with the United Nations, China, Russia, the United States, and Canada with some more obscure stories to just uh, help remind us that there's a lot more going on than what meets the eye. But without further ado, let's get into it. So the first story that we're looking at today is from Al Jazeera, talking about the UN General Assembly. Who is attending and what's on the agenda? So world leaders will speak in person at the UN headquarters in New York for the first time since the pandemic began. The war in Ukraine, climate change, and nuclear disarmament are likely to dominate speeches and discussions at the 77th session of the United Nations General Assembly. This is interesting. We have speakers uh, that uh, presented uh, from the pr Brazilian president, Jair Bolsonaro, to the Turkish president, Recep Tay Tayyip Erdogan, French President Emmanuel Macron, Qatar's Amir Sheikh Tamim bin Hamad Al Thani, United States President Joe Biden also will address the assembly, but doing so Wednesday, today. Um, however, notable absentees are Vladimir Putin and Xi Jinping of Russia and China. I mean, not really a surprise there because they just recently had their own um, Far East Economic Forum meeting. Uh, the Clearly, the BRICS countries are in their own realm dealing with their own stuff. It is interesting to see that Brazil and Turkey are still sending representatives to this meeting, though. But really, it's, uh, you know, we're just going to get a bunch of uh, mainstream uh, central bank-backed narratives about the same old stuff probably tell us about some emergencies coming on due to climate something about crypto um but we will definitely uh keep you up to date on things that are said there and on that note here we go to the guardian from september 20th polluters must pay the un chief calls for windfall tax on fossil fuel companies Antonio, uh, Antonio Guterres said money raised should be diverted to vulnerable nations suffering losses caused by climate change. So he says that polluters must pay, calling on developed economies to tax the windfall profits by fossil fuel companies. So clearly, yes, we know there's the shift to renewable energy, the green movement, all of that stuff. However, it's interesting that he's not calling on taxing the industrial military complex or the defense budgets, because as we know, uh, the United States, for example, uh, their military pollutes more than most countries do. And I find that interesting that he's not calling on the militaries to have less funding or the militaries to go green. Yeah. 
on to the next one. Here we have the Wall Street Journal. We actually have two stories about the same thing. First up, we have uh, it's Mexico's 7.7 magnitude earthquake leaves two dead. A 7.7 magnitude earthquake. That is massive. The quake happened the same day as the devastating earthquakes in 1985 and 2017. And this article mentions that it happened shortly after a drill was held to commemorate the devastating earthquakes. What are the odds that they have a drill on the same day that in two previous years, many years apart in 1985 and in 2017, they have earthquakes that same day and they also have a drill. And here is another article from CTV talking about the same situation. The headline reads, a fatal earthquake in Mexico comes an hour after drill on same date as two other deadly quakes. Now, are we meant to believe that this is purely a coincidence? And if it's not a coincidence, if there is some sort of synchronistic calendar that's being used, whether it's astronomical or uh, any other means, how would this occur in such a pattern? Very strange. But they explain that alarms for the new quake came less than an hour after a, after a quake alarms warbled in a nationwide earthquake simulation. They had a nationwide earthquake simulation and then shortly had an actual earthquake on the, again on the same day from 1985 and 2017 that they had earthquakes. Just what is going on there? And we're going to see that there's other stories about earthquakes, about sinkholes, about other natural disasters that seem a little too coordinated to be just a coincidence. Next up, U.S. President Biden says that the pandemic is over, even as the death toll and costs mount. Yeah, for those that didn't see it, it was on a 60-minute segment where he says that the pandemic is over. Um, he says that we still have a problem with COVID. We're still doing a lot of work, but the pandemic is over. If you notice, no one's wearing masks. Everybody seems to be in pretty good shape. And so I think it's changing. Uh, I really wonder if he went off script, if this was a lapse, or if they actually will be pushing that since there is so, there are obvious lawsuits, um, and a lot of legal challenges against the United States government. Uh, currently, there's one in the Canadian court system fighting uh, the restrictions. There's still legal battles going on from the restrictions and the mandates, how they were arguably unconstitutional. So I wonder what this message meant. Was it sincere? Was it a gaffe? We'll see. Next up. Another thing from Biden, Joe Biden calls for end to dark money in the U.S. elections. The U.S. president urges Congress to pass a campaign finance bill that would force political groups to disclose big donors. Specifically using the term dark money and how he says untraceable spending in politics is a serious problem for democracy. Well, he's not wrong. 
I'm just curious about the intention with this. Why would he be bringing this up? Is he trying to target uh, his opponents to, you know, ensure that they don't have anonymous donors? I do wonder what is going on there. When Canada passed laws that uh, made it so that uh, big, uh, they they adjusted the donor laws in the federal elections. And when the Conservative Party did that, it actually mostly impacted the smaller political parties. So this could be a way for the uh, two main political parties, the Republicans and Democrats, to ensure that other smaller political parties don't gain any momentum. That is what I would assume this is about. I don't believe for a second that he is actually trying to eliminate the dark money. Uh, yeah, and we're just going to move on to the next story. Another one from Biden. As I said, we got a lot of mainstream stuff to cover today. Biden says the United States would defend Taiwan against Chinese invasion. But the White House says the U.S. policy towards Taiwan has not changed. So this seems like where he says something, but then the White House themselves probably did a facepalm and have to backtrack and do damage control. Because Biden said yes when asked during an interview broadcast on Sunday whether U.S. forces, U.S. men and women would defend Taiwan in the event of a Chinese invasion. Now, this would be the same interview where Biden says that the pandemic is over. I wonder how much... So an interesting thing that Timcast IRL on YouTube, they made a video recently analyzing this interview, and they suspect that there was actually some serious editing done in this interview, and they really tried to just do the best that they could because overall, the, there's a real possibility that the interview was mostly incoherent and Biden was babbling and didn't really make much sense. So they did their best to edit clips to at least make the responses sensical. And then they just realized that they have to simply do damage control to fix the quotes that he said. And of course, we know that tension is rising following efforts by Chinese President Xi Jinping's government to intimidate Taiwan by firing missiles into the nearby sea and flying fighter jets nearby amid visits to Taipei by political figures, including U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. On to the next one. We have Taiwan's amateur fact-checkers wage war on fake news from China. A Taiwanese civil society organizations are working to combat misinformation instead of leaving the job to the government. Uh, without even going too deep into looking at um, who, this, who these organizations are and uh, who created them, but we can only guess. Well, actually, here we have right here uh, from a quote from Puma Shen, the director of Double Think Lab, a research group that focuses on Chinese influence campaigns in Taiwan and around the world. I, I don't think it would be very far, uh, far of a stretch to say that the Western powers are creating movements in Taiwan to push certain propaganda that uh, influences the people uh, to follow the narrative that the West wants just like what the West, Western powers have done in 
you know, countries all over the world from that Echo 127 uh, document that we looked at where we found out that there's all these covert military operations in bases in Africa and Southeast Asia, etc. We know that the United States has covert operations uh, with the media in other countries, as well as Project Mockingbird in the United States. So to me, clearly this, event, like, sure, we also know that the Chinese government, uh, the CCP, it's hard to take their words at face value, um, just like any government, really. But specifically, when we get into this whole fact-checking stuff, that is, to me, simply eliminating voices that contradict the narrative. Next one we have, a deadly earthquake in Taiwan derails trains and strands hundreds. It was a magnitude 6.8. Now, the timing of this in this location is a little bit suspicious to me because it's very, very well could be asymmetrical warfare. I think that this might be the first time that I'm bringing up this term while reporting on the Kraken, but it's something that Dave talked about a lot, the idea of asymmetrical warfare. So use creating natural disasters on your enemies. Uh, we know that the United Nations has banned weather manipulation uh, after the Vietnam War because the U.S. actually created storms to try to drown out their enemies. So they all agreed basically to not use the weather as a form of a way to uh, attack your enemies. But triggering earthquakes, well, now that's definitely a way to do some damage to infrastructure. And this very well could be a sign from China to Taiwan to say, hey, stop following along with the West. We have the powers to take you down. Just, you know, we got to look at all the different angles, and that's the one that, uh, that stands out to me the most, to be honest. Now, we're going, we're sticking in China here with China lifting weeks-long lockdown on southwest Chengdu. Government offices, public transport services, and companies were able to resume work in the city of 21 million after an outbreak of the CV. It happens in the mega city of Chengdu with a population of 21 million. This is insane. This is absolutely insane that they're still going with the zero COVID policy. And it's all the more concerning that the Canadian government, uh, and specifically Justin Trudeau, has gone on record to say that he admires China's basic dictatorship. Yeah. On to the next one. We have Xin... Xinjiang residents complain of hunger after a 40-day CV lockdown. Again, this is from China. Uh, people in Gulja take to social media to show empty fridges, saying they are not receiving supplies to get them through enforced confinement. Uh, the residents say that they have run out of food after more than 40 days under a strict lockdown. Again, this is very, very disturbing. They are committed to a zero CV policy, which just fundamentally is, is absurd and insane. And I have to read specifically through the community guidelines on YouTube about the misinformation to see what 
I can and cannot say about that, but that's pretty much as far as I will comment uh, at this time. Uh, definitely don't agree with what they're doing. Here we have uh, from the Jerusalem Post. A massive sinkhole opens in the middle of busy Israeli highway. Israel's center city of Tel Aviv faced a rather large sinkhole this weekend and in quite a busy street too. Okay, so what causes these sinkholes? Could it be that there are earthquakes that are having an effect in other places than just where the earthquakes strike? It doesn't seem to be that these news articles are referencing or connecting the earthquakes that are happening. Here we have CTV News. Vehicles collapse into a sinkhole at South Edmonton dealership. This is in Canada. Four cars fell into a hole at Infinity South, Infinity South Edmonton's parking lot in a sinkhole. Is it that the material used to build these roads is just falling apart? Or is there deliberate mechanisms in place to destabilize things underground? Just gotta wonder that. What's causing these earthquakes, right? Okay, now, and if you'll notice, I'm going at a pretty fast pace today. We're not going too deep into the articles. Like I said, there is a lot, and these these articles are very mainstream, so we really don't need to go into too much detail. However, these upcoming ones, this is going to be fun because we're getting into Canada. Uh, we're going to go uh, into the European Union. Uh, we're going to go into some conflict around the world, and we got some monarchy stuff, and then that's where we're going to end it for today. So here we have Trudeau's team defends the Bohemian Rhapsody rendition before the Queen's funeral from The Guardian. A clip of Canadian Prime Minister singing in London Hotel two days before the funeral has sparked criticism. I mean, I personally love the song. I love Queen, the band. I love singing to this song. But uh, this is a bit embarrassing as we see from a columnist, Andrew Coyne from the Globe and Mail says, embarrassing doesn't even begin to describe it. Yes, people sometimes need to let off steam. No, there's no evidence he was drunk. But come on, he's the prime minister in a public place on the eve of the queen's funeral. And this is how he behaves? Others said the fuss was akin to a manufactured controversy. And then political commentator David Mosgrop tweets, quote, an asteroid hurdles towards Earth, leaving humankind with months to live. Only a last-ditch collective effort will save the planet and the species. Got Canadian Twitter. Let's do a forensic analysis of when precisely the Prime Minister sang a janky rendition of Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that overall Trudeau is an embarrassment as a leader. Uh, so this is no surprise. Next up, we have uh, news from Ottawa, the nation's capital. Fewer than one in four adult Ottawans have a fourth dose. But they say the bivalent uh, jab could boost uptake, says the medical 
officer of health. Well, this is a bit encouraging that only one in four adults have taken their fourth shot. We are, yeah, uh, because I haven't quite read uh, in detail what I can and cannot say about this on this channel, I am going to just hold it there. But um, yeah, as we just will cite on this article, the Ottawa Public Health has been reporting a big drop in enthusiasm for booster doses. While 92% of adult residents have at least two doses, just 67.6% .6 have at least three, and only 25% have four or more. More? Oh, <laughs> yeah, uh, right. On to the next one, another one from Canada. The loonie has fallen to its lowest level in almost two years. The loonie fell to near 75 cents to the U.S. dollar on Friday, and analysts say it could go as low as, low as 73 cents very soon. Well, Canada is definitely in a recession. The prices of groceries are higher than ever. Gasoline is high, but lower than it was in June. Um, people in Canada are struggling, and this is a clear indication. Speaking of which, from uh, my hometown, this is from Winnipeg, Manitoba. The, the headline reads, this is not my downtown Winnipeg. This is not my downtown Winnipeg. Frustration grows with drug use, people living in bus shelters. Longtime residents speak out while a homeless advocate points to a housing solution. And this is very upsetting and probably not what you would expect from a Canadian city if you don't live in Canada. Shattered glass, garbage, and a, neater, and a needle litter a dilapidated downtown bus shelter on Portage Avenue. Nearby, beside the now shuttered Hudson's Bay store, someone is lying on a bench inside a bus shelter while Winnipeg Transit riders wait outside. Uh, yeah, it's actually uh, very upsetting to see how much homelessness there is in Winnipeg. Um, but even before the CV pandemic occurred, there was a methamphetamine, uh, an opioid crisis occurring. Um, it's also very disturbing how there is really no substantial effort to remedy the situation. Yesterday, uh, I walked, uh, I biked by a bus shelter that literally looked like um, people were living in it, which people are living in bus shelters all over the city right now. And I see the police go and they're cleaning the area up, but they, but mostly they're just kicking them out. And I can't help but wonder why don't the police actually do something to help the situation. Where's the community outreach? So it'll be interesting to see as Winnipeg has a civic election coming up to vote for the mayor of the Winnipeg, as well as city councillors. I'm very intrigued to see what is going to come from that. And on the Patreon for Generation Z, I've done some segments called Think Globally, Act Locally, which is a play on words of the uh, way that you be an activist where you want to change the whole world, but you focus on the, a local community and do the positive change in your local environment. Now, that segment that I was doing was more about showing how the global octopus 
has infiltrated local communities and local um, policy makers from a globalist standpoint, and you see how the tentacles have seeped into all these different areas. But yeah, I think that I, I could do, and I'm interested in doing a whole segment about the Winnipeg civic election to just give some uh, some context and help the audience uh, use what I'm going to do as a case study for Winnipeg. And you can do this in your own cities and you can see the policies in place, what's going on. Maybe you can try to get involved or at the very least be aware of what is going on. But yeah, anyway, this is a very serious situation. It's very uh, disturbing. Um, yeah, and even we have a quote here from the mayor of Winnipeg saying that the premier is missing in action while homeless Winnipeggers live in bus shacks. And also, I will just conclude this article by mentioning how the Winnipeg councillors actually had a solution for this by dismantling the bus shelters. That was their solution. We'll just take down the bus shelters, not actually address why people are homeless or help them find homes or jobs, but instead just take down their shelters so that not only the bus riders can't use them, but the homeless people can't use them. Okay, sorry for that rant, but I'm not sorry, actually. Next up. Now, this is a very intriguing one, and this will I I've been waiting for this for a year now. Sex assault trial begins for a military officer who led the CV-19V campaign. Uh, the complainant in the sexual assault trial against Major General Danny Fortin testified on Monday that she woke up to the alleged assault one night in early 1988. This trial is taking place in Gatineau, Quebec, more than a year after Fortin was charged with one count of sexual assault in August 2021. Fortin maintains his innocence, and his defense lawyer said Monday they will vigorously contest the complainant's testimony that he assaulted her. Now, this is the reason why I'm so intrigued by the story. The following passage right here. He was abruptly removed as head of the federal government's COVID-19 vaccine campaign in May 2021 over an unspecified military investigation and his case was referred to Quebec's prosecution service later that month. So just fundamentally with this one, I'm not saying whether he did it or not, not commenting on the witness, not commenting on the actual actions, but I want to bring attention to the timing of this article. And could there have been something going on behind the scenes where this military officer disagreed with what the Canadian government and the military was trying to push. And as a result of his resistance, they brought up this situation that they basically had blackmail in their pocket and pulled it out on the table and said, if you disagree with us, we're going to ruin your career. That's where my mind goes with this, as well as the timing that this occurred only a less than, let's see, August 2021. So I will confirm the dates in a future presentation that uh, I've I've had uh, that I've give that I've actually had on my uh, dose of reality uh, YouTube channel, which I, I don't really post stuff there, but I was for a little bit, and we see that there was a trial in Canada 
where the Justice Center for Constitutional Freedoms was challenging the pandemic restrictions imposed by the Canadian and provincial governments. And in the trial for Manitoba, we saw that the polymerase chain reaction tests were calibrated at a cycle threshold of 40, testified by the uh, health minister of Manitoba, Brent Rusin. He acknowledged in court that the tests in Manitoba were calibrated at 40. And we see from other experts like Fauci and the World Health Organization and the CDC that a polymerase chain reaction test calibrated to 30 and above, 35 at most, 30, we'll say 35, makes it completely unreliable. Not only does it not detect transmissibility or infectiousness, but it is amplified to such a degree that it will tell you that you have anything. So the timing of all of this, I've been very excited and eager to for this trial to occur because now I feel like I can talk about these situations because it's it's pressing and it's mainstream attention right now. So stay tuned for that one uh, because that's going to be a doozy of a of a deep dive, similar to how I did with the monkeypox video. And here we just have another a CBC article uh, about how the complainant is afraid and horrified as she testifies in the sexual assault trial, uh, and the military commander has pleaded not guilty. But also, there are many senior leaders in the Canadian military embroiled in a sexual in sexual misconduct cases. And we know that that actually does occur. It's a very big issue, not only in the Canadian military, but the American military. But again, the angle is, did they bring the timing of this to come up? Did it coincide with potentially not going along with an agenda? That's what I want to get across with this uh, report. Okay, that's it for the Canadian stuff. Uh, now we're going to move on to, we've got about uh, eight more stories here. The European Union moves to cut $7.5 funding for Hungary over corruption. The 27-nation EU bloc has three months to decide on the suspension of funding for Hungary over charges of damaging democracy. Damaging democracy. Well, let's see what they mean by that. Relations between the European Union and Hungary have been on thin ice for months as Brussels suspects that Nationalist Prime Minister Viktor Orban's government is undercutting the rule of law and using EU money to enrich its cronies. Well, now this is interesting because, sure, he might be corrupt, uh, not disagreeing with that, but the comment of how he's a nationalist leader goes to the um, geopolitics of world orders, where we have the globalists, we have the nationalists, and then you even have the Europeanists who wanted the European Union to be the main power over the world, which arguably is the same power of the globalists because the globalists are headquartered in um, the Europe, uh, it seems. But I find this fascinating that because Hungary has been very uh, against a lot of the legislations, even going into the pandemic restrictions, uh, Hungary did not really support what they were told to do. And I'm sure that Hungary has corrupt 
politicians and leaders, just like everywhere else in the world. Um, and of course, he calls himself a freedom fighter against the worldview of the liberal West. And he denies that Hungary, an ex-communist country of some 10 million people, is any more corrupt than others in the European Union. Uh, that Yeah, exactly. That's uh, just what I said. So we'll see how that goes. Going to the United States here, uh, Texas sends two buses of migrants to the U.S. vice president's home. Migrants stood outside Kamala Harris's residence in Washington, D.C. before aid workers guided them to a nearby church. I've avoided talking about these stories because I know how emotionally and politically charged they are, uh, and it has been very confusing. But... I want to point out that a way to erode a country is to bring in people from another country. Like this is a situation in France where the people of France are very proud. They want to uh, maintain their culture and their sovereignty. So there's a lot of friction because they don't want to accept uh, immigrants into the country that practice other cultures and other religions where we know that in the United States, they have opened their borders at the uh, the southern border, um, or at least we were told, we were told about that caravan. Um, they're importing people from Afghanistan and from Ukraine. It's almost as if there is a deliberate plan to create waves of refugees and immigrants, bring them into your country, and then use those people to do the jobs that the regular people don't want to do, whether they're temporary foreign workers or replacing nurses that didn't want to take a voluntary medical injection and lost their job because of it. But yeah, maybe uh, we have some American fans that uh, are watching this video and would be able to comment below about what they see and uh, their perspective on this whole situation. I do find it pretty, you know, I don't want to say petty. It's a little clever that if uh, migrants are going to certain states and those states don't want the migrants, so they send them to the homes of the places who are primarily Democrats, like Martha's Vineyard, who are openly saying that we need to open the borders and bring more people in. But then when these people are brought to their homes, they don't want the people there. I find that very ironic. And honestly, that's kind of a, a smart move to be a bit of a smart ass about it all. Next up. We have EU legislators say Hungary is no longer a full democracy. And Hungary is furious after the MEPs voted 433 in favor and 123 against a resolution declaring the country in breach of EU norms. So let's just refer to this other article. This was September 18th. This one is September 15th. So I did read, the, read these in uh, in reverse order. My apologies. But that's interesting that they are in breach of democratic norms, which could be that the people of Hungary practice religions that the European Union doesn't want. Because, for example, the country of Turkey 
kind of uh, has been uh, neglected by the European Union because basically the European Union, the, the European Union has wanted to maintain its uh, secular slash uh, Christian ways and uh, accepting a country that is primarily Muslim would bring some confusion into uh, unity within the European Union. Here is an article from the New York Post. Facebook spied on private messages of Americans who questioned 2020 election. Yeah, obviously, we know that. Um, they're spying on us all the time. So not really going to get more into that. Just bringing that to our attention that this is from the New York Post. And we are we are getting uh, near our final few articles here. Uh, we're actually going to go to the U.S. military intelligence says Putin is unable to attain Ukraine goal. Russia planned for an occupation, not necessarily an invasion, and that has set them back, Pentagon officials say. And they're using a picture of Ukrainian police officers taking a selfie on a destroyed Russian tank. So, of course, because we don't have any boots on the ground, uh, we are relying from secondhand stories, thirdhand stories. We really don't know what's actually going on. But, of course, the uh, uh, Lieutenant General Scott Barrier, director of the DIA, the Defense Intelligence Agencies, they're putting out a report saying that Russia isn't doing as well as they want but of course that's the narrative they they have been trying to preach this for a very long time so of course we cannot trust the intelligence reports from western countries you can't really trust the intelligence reports of any countries because the intelligence reports are pushing what they want you to think they're trying to influence you to think a certain way and uh, again, with Russia and Ukraine here, Zelensky promises no let-up in counter-offensive against Russia. Zelensky's pledge comes as the U.S. calls for vigilance, <clears throat> and the United Kingdom warns of more Russian attacks on Ukrainian civilian infrastructure. Yeah, we've been hearing uh, over the past little uh, past couple of days, depending on what sources you pay attention to, that Ukraine is doing killing, that Russian is doing killing. Um, that Russia wants to end the operation, that Russia doesn't want to end the operation. Um, the Ukraine is asking for more weapons and more funding. And it's just like, as I said in the last Kraken, when the orb flew behind me, we just really have to stop with all of this war and uh, suffering. Like it's so unnecessary and and mindless. Obviously, there is the intelligence going into it, so it's not quite mindless, but, you know, it, it's just just so fundamentally unnecessary. And I do wonder if there's even any merit to talk to top to talk about these things, because it just does feel like it's such a distraction. And I know that we're putting our energy into these things. We are creating the thought forms, but I'm at least trying to dispel the the narrative so that our thought forms can be conscious and critical and aware of what their intentions are with trying to influence us to think a certain way. So we've got our final three articles here. They're going to go by quick. 
So again, thank you so much for joining me here. This is uh, Riel at Generation Z. We are unleashing the crack. The Danish queen tests positive after the Queen Elizabeth as after the Queen Elizabeth's funeral. Denmark's Queen Margaret II has tested positive for the coronavirus. She is 82 years old and she's been on the throne for 50 years. Well, uh, wouldn't that be something if one queen tested positive after attending a funeral of another queen and then that ends up being her demise? I wonder how much of the monarchy are, as we experience this shift uh, into a new paradigm, you know, the monarchy just seems inevitably uh, that it's got to go. Now, speaking of which, this is a, a very strange comparison, but it makes sense. From CTV News, a little like Game of Thrones, how the royal family came to rule. The quote is from this article. We may associate the, associate the royal family with strict protocols and stiff upper lips, but King Charles III and the House of Windsor can trace their lineage back through centuries of bloody wars and brutal power struggles to 1066, when the illegitimate son of a duke and grandson of a tanner ascended the throne. William the Conqueror was crowned on Christmas Day 956 years ago, 956 years ago in Westminster Abbey, known as William the Bastard. In his day, his father was the Duke Robert I of Normandy, and his mother, Herlev, was the daughter of Tanner, according to the royal family's website. Yeah, well, so I I wonder what uh like are they talking about like the incest? Uh because that's just a little uh, disturbing, but I do find it funny that the real-life royal family is being compared to Game of Thrones. To me, this goes into how science fiction uh, is actually much closer to the truth than we may think, and the idea that they put concepts in fiction and science fiction to make us think that it's make-believe and a fairy tale, but actually not. Uh, it's it's either predictive programming and or telling us about what actually was going on. And our last story that we're looking at today, we're actually ending on a good note. Equatorial Guinea abolishes the death penalty. Uh, if you're looking at a map, we have here Equatorial Guinea is in between Cameroon and Gabon on the uh, west coast of Africa. The vice president lauds a unique moment for Equatorial Guinea, where the last execution occurred in 2014. So this is fantastic. I am very happy to hear this. There, I personally uh, am against capital punishment. I don't think that that's a just way. I don't really know the solution when you've got people that are menaces to society, but I don't support the idea of capital punishment fundamentally. I know that uh, a lot of people may not agree with the whole uh, pro-peace, non-violence, hippy-dippy mantra, but uh, I just think that we are evolving past the point of a whole tit-for-tat uh, retaliation. But of course, we know that the rules of karma exist, and whether it's uh, a local or galactic scale, yeah. 
But there we have it. This was today's Kraken for September 21st, 2022. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, thank you so much for your support, for your engagement. It's great to see the channel grow. I love the comments. Uh, thank you so much. I'll be doing another report uh, this weekend, probably on Sunday as well. You'll be seeing some different episodes from me that are not the Kraken coming out in the coming days and weeks. So stay tuned, and I look forward to that. See you all very soon. See ya.